This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, March 24th. I'm Nyla Boudin. Here's what you need to know today. Cyber attacks and how to protect yourself. Plus, former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright dies at 84. But first, Poland's new role in Europe is today's one big thing. The U.S. has concluded that Russia's military has committed war crimes in Ukraine. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said that in a statement yesterday. President Biden is in Europe trying to bolster a Western alliance as Russia's war in Ukraine rages on. He's expected to announce new sanctions against Russia and more humanitarian aid for Ukraine on this trip. And he'll also meet with Poland's president this week, as the country is now playing a critical role in the Ukraine-Russia crisis. Here to help us understand where Poland stands in Europe today is Axios political reporter Sarah Muha. Hi, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Sarah, can you share with us a little bit more about what Poland's role is in this crisis right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there have been 10 million refugees leaving Ukraine and more than 3 million of those people are already in Poland. Of course, that number, as we know, keeps on growing. Uh, My family actually is in Poland. We have a lot of family friends there who are taking in refugees. The ministry at this point that's housing them, it's scrambling to provide for the refugees' needs. They're looking for grocery vouchers, cell phones, SIM cards, child care, health and psychological care. They're even looking for jobs for these refugees. And we know that about uh, 70,000 Ukrainian children are attending schools in Poland. So it's definitely been thrust upon the world stage at this time. What was Poland's place in Europe just prior to this conflict? It's an interesting spot, right? Poland has sort of been straddling the line between Eastern and Western Europe for a long time, particularly after communism fell in 1989. Unfortunately, it's seen a bit of significant uh, democratic backsliding toward a more populist type of government in recent years that many people are saying is starting to look like what they experienced during communism, including my parents who left Poland when it was a communist country. And they remember the lines that they had to stand in for food. They remember sort of that secretiveness around your neighbors, trying not to say things to other people for fear that you might be reported on by the government. And that's somewhat happened in recent years in Poland. You know, think installing party heads to run the national media and an overhaul of its court system that many people are saying seems very similar to communist times. So what are you watching for with Joe Biden meeting Polish President Andrzej Duda? Well, we're definitely going to have to see the types of things that they're looking to agree on, um, definitely their military strategy, and then also how they're going to be handling the refugees. They're definitely going to be seeking some kind of assistance from their allied neighbors. Sarah, as we think about Poland and its role right now, what do you think is the most important thing for people to remember? As 
the country has seen some backsliding. And as the president is still willing to meet with President Duda, that's because President Duda has taken somewhat more of a moderate approach to some of his politics, especially in recent months. And speculation can point to the fact that he's trying to make good with President Biden, who came out pretty aggressively criticizing his policies about the judiciary and journalists' rights in Poland. Former ambassador to Poland from the U.S., Stephen Moll, told me, said, remember, there's a house on fire right next door to Poland. And obviously, the most important focus in the relationship is that crisis in Ukraine. So that doesn't mean the other concerns have gone away. It just means that right now, it's sort of a triage moment where we need to focus on how they're going to handle the war in Ukraine. Axios political reporter Sarah Muha. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. After the break, we're back with a remembrance of former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Madeleine Albright, the first woman to serve as Secretary of State of the United States, has died. While Madam Secretary was the formal greeting afforded to Albright when she held the position in the Clinton administration from 1997 to 2001, she earned a nickname years earlier when serving as ambassador to the United Nations, Madam Cojones, for her guts and iron will. Albright was born Marie Jana Korbalova in 1937 in Prague. When she was 11, she immigrated with her family to the U.S., she said, to find freedom and flee communism. Never did she imagine she would reach the pinnacle she did, as she told the Senate committee back in 1997. I could say to you that it had always been my ambition to be Secretary of State of the United States, but that's not true. Frankly, I didn't think it was possible. But possible it was. Albright broke the glass ceiling in government, and her accomplishments were many, notably her push for NATO expansion to the east of Europe and her work to end the war in the Balkans, in particular to stop further genocide. She also became a role model for women the world over. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. (laughs) That was back in 2016. She was never one to mince words. Last month, Albright weighed in on the possibility of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, warning that to do so would, quote, ensure Mr. Putin's infamy by leaving his country diplomatically isolated, economically crippled, and strategically vulnerable in the face of a stronger, more united Western alliance. Madeleine Albright was mom to three daughters. She was a grandmother, and she was a champion for democracy around the world. She died Wednesday of cancer at the age of 84. We will continue to promote and advocate democracy because we know that democracy is apparent to peace. This week, a hacking group admitted to a January attack on Okta, a service used by thousands of companies to provide login security. 
As of now, little's known about what information this group took and from how many people. But the news comes as President Biden reiterated his warnings of a potential Russian cyber attack. We also don't know if there's any real evidence connecting the Okta attack to Russia, but it still brings up more questions about our cyber vulnerability, which is why Axios Managing Editor for Technology, Scott Rosenberg, is here with us. Scott, first of all, what was this hack? So Okta does sign-in for lots and lots of companies, and it has third-party customer support companies that it works with. And somehow these this hacking group got access to this third-party support engineer's system. And with that access, it may have had the ability to reset passwords and gain access to some other kinds of data. If you're not someone who uses Okta, I'd never heard of it before this attack. Why should we be concerned about this? The way this game works is if someone gains access to one system, it can be used to leapfrog your way into many other systems. So anytime a major provider like this is at all affected, it's very hard to know how far the ripples will extend. What should we be doing right now for people who are especially worried about this? The two most important things you can do have been the same forever. One is to make sure that any account that you care about that has a connection to your money or to your information, you should use two-factor authentication, which is the thing where you tell Google, you tell your bank that you want them to check your phone first before you log in. It's a pain, it's less convenient, but it does leave you much safer. And the other thing to do is never click on a link in your email. If you get an email that seems to be from your bank or your cell phone provider, don't click on it. Go to the website, log in yourself, and then find out what's going on. Access Managing Editor for Technology, Scott Rosenberg, joining us from California. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Before we go today, we wanted to wish a very happy first birthday to Axios Latino. The twice-weekly newsletter has brought us tons of great stories you've heard on the podcast. And if you don't already subscribe to their newsletter, we'll put a link in our show notes for you. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. In the Bubble with Andy Slavitt is a nonpartisan news podcast from Lemonada Media that helps you make sense of the tough issues affecting all Americans in 2022. New episodes are out Mondays and Wednesdays. Listen to In the Bubble with Andy Slavitt wherever you get your podcasts.